Hey, good morning, Crystal Fast friends. I am coming to you from my van in the middle of New York City. Now you say, why on earth would you be coming to us from your van today, Eric? And the answer to that question is, when you keep a car in New York City, you have to park uh, on the streets or park in a garage. If you park in a garage, it'll cost you hundreds of dollars a month. If you park in the streets, it's free. But the caveat is you have to move it twice a week. Uh, and that means you have to sit in your car until a street sweeper comes by, move your car to the side until he sweeps, and then move back in real quick before someone steals your spot. So uh, today, this week happened to be a week where it was scheduled on Friday. So here I am sitting in my minivan with you trying to do this devotion. As long as our internet doesn't cut out, it should work. We'll see. Uh, we're going to continue looking at the uh, book of Ruth. Uh, before the Christmas break last week, we were uh, we had just started looking at chapter 2 of Ruth, taking note of the special providence of God we see really throughout the text. And um, in the previous week, we we left off with Ruth gleaning in a field, and the text told us that, quote, she just happened to be gleaning in Boaz's field. And why was that significant? Because Boaz just happened to be a relative of her mother-in-law, Naomi, who she had followed back to Bethlehem. And today, we start to see how most of the time, God's provision that was hinted at then uh, basically works itself out in a pretty ordinary, mundane way in the realities of daily life. So let's pick it up in verse 4, and, uh, and then we'll continue. It says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered the Lord, bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. End of reading. Now, the first thing we can see from the text is uh, apparently word has spread about Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law. Uh, she is known as, quote, the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi. So she's known, first and foremost, not by her name, but by her faithfulness. And I just think that's a fantastic little detail to note before we talk about the different ways we see God's providence in the text as we'll continue to read. Uh, She's known first for her faithfulness, not by anything else. No, they don't even know who she is. They don't know her name, but they know that she is faithful. It reminds me of an old saying from Count Zinzendorf, quote, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. I've always loved that statement. I've always thought that that's a great thing to sort of aspire to, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Okay, so let's pick it up back in verse 8. It says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. 
the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So what do we see in this brief passage about God's providence? I think we see five things. Uh, number one, I think we see that God's providence usually comes through ordinary people. Now, our tendency when thinking about a grand thing like providence is to keep it as mysterious and strange as possible. Uh, we want it to be sort of a mystical thing. And no doubt, sometimes it, it is. Sometimes it can be that way. But most of the time, God works through ordinary means. In this case, a wealthy guy named Boaz is touched by Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law, and so he, quote, wants to repay her, helping her out and taking her under his wing. Now, Luther talked quite a bit about this, um, referring to basically the doctrine of vocation. And he referred to human beings in their works as masks of God, through whom God provides for his world. Whether believer or unbeliever, everybody is a mask of God in their various vocations. That was the idea. So to spell it out a little more, uh, Gene Veith, who's written a wonderful book called God at Work, gives this example. He says, quote, We pray in the Lord's Prayer that God give us our daily bread, which he does. He does so not directly as when he gave manna to the Israelites, but through the work of farmers and bakers, and we might add truck drivers and retailers. In effect, the whole economic system is the means by which God gives us our daily bread. Each part of the economic food chain is a vocation through which God works to distribute his gifts. Similarly, God heals the sick. While he can and sometimes does do so directly, in the normal course of things, he works through doctors, nurses, and other medical experts. God protects us from evil with the vocation of the police officer. God teaches through teachers, orders society through governments, proclaims the gospel through pastors, etc., etc., etc. And so it is. Boaz is being used as God's mask to provide for Ruth and Naomi. A uh, second thing we see is God's providence guides. Again, providence is not some sort of uh, sort of mystical feather flying wistfully through the air like at the end of Forrest Gump. You know, it just life just happens to be a series of random chances. No, it's part of God's overall plan for the world being worked out. In our text, we see Boaz not merely allowing Ruth to do certain things, but ordaining for Ruth to do certain things. Stay in this field. Follow these things. Drink from this place. Follow these people. It is often through ordinary people that, again, God has placed above us in this life, supervisors, governing authorities, elders, etc., etc., that God ends up guiding our everyday activities in life. We might not see God there. We might often question the judgment of those that have been put above us, and sometimes rightfully so. But in fact, God is working through them too as they supervise and they lead and they govern. Thirdly, God's providence protects 
Boaz, quote, charges the young men not to touch Ruth. Now, this protection of God's providence doesn't always mean that we'll be sheltered from harm in this life. Uh, there are times where God may allow it, but we can rest assured that his providence will protect us for all eternity. We, quote, cannot be snatched out of the Father's hand, and therefore we can walk with great confidence that no matter what physical harm may come to us, in the end we will prevail with him. Fourthly, God's providence sustains Boaz says, and when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Jesus says, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God's providence isn't something that just starts the system off like uh, maybe a deist would say that, you know, yeah, okay, God provided from the beginning and then it's up to us to figure out life. But no, part of what Jesus says is that uh, God is continually providing for us every day of our lives. He's sustaining life. And finally, God's providence points us to where we need to go um, <clears throat> to find, uh, or it inspires, I should say, praise and gratitude. The proper response to providence, to recognizing God's good gifts to us, is exactly what Ruth displays to Boaz twice. It says, quote, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And again, she says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Ruth does not expect this treatment. This is so key. She does not feel entitled to anything. Uh, I, I have to say, one of the key, key evidences of somebody that knows that they are being provided for by grace, that it's, is that they know they don't deserve it. They know they're not entitled to it. And I would say, I would argue, that when one feels that they're entitled to God's gifts, to God's favor, I mean, the word favor could be exchanged with the word grace. It's, it's literally talking about the same thing here. When one begins to believe that they're entitled to it is when one begins to get sick. The reality is every breath you take, every bite of food, every friendship, everything, everything, everything is all grace all the time from a loving, providential, heavenly Father. So, as you enter the new year, this year, enter in with thanksgiving and praise because he has chosen to favor you through the life, death, and resurrection of his son and by providing for you through the ordinary, everyday people you walk around on a daily basis. I hope that encourages you and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next year. God bless.